Hello, Mississippi. We're live. And now that you've listened to the president-elect's news conference, we're ready to get back to business. So give us a call. We're at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And it's all things medicine. Anything you want to talk about health-wise, uh, we'll be happy to talk to you. And we have open lines because we were preempted by uh, the Trump news conference. And uh, to you folks who are listening on our replay, on Sunday, it's time to get up and get moving. And for you folks uh, who are listening to us now, about uh, 1120, we're glad to have you uh, join us after the uh, Trump news conference. There's so much to talk about uh, in medicine uh, today, and I, I, uh, a lot of it, uh, of course, is related to health insurance and what's going to happen to health insurance with uh, the new administration, and the bottom line is none of us know. You just heard um, the president-elect say that he was planning on having an immediate um, uh, decision about what they were going to do with the Affordable Care Act and a new proposal coming up within the next several weeks. So hopefully we'll have uh, some information on that. Uh to share with you and some commentary, which will have to be non-political because we try to keep this as an informational program. You get lots of political content uh, other places, and we just try to give you the information uh, that you need to negotiate your way through the health care system, which in itself can be a nightmare. In that regard, I've started having uh, a deluge. Our nurses are just pulling their hair out about uh, changes in pharmacy uh, uh, pharmacies over by insurance companies over the last several weeks with the new year. Uh, I know a lot of you are having trouble getting your prescriptions refilled, and if you want to talk about that, give us a call, uh, especially people with diabetes drugs, with uh, arthritis medicines, biologics, uh, are having a lot of issues, and people who are using the newer, uh, more expensive drugs for heart failure and other problems are uh, really pulling your hair out, and I want you to know we are too. So if you want to talk about why that is the case and what you can do about it, just give me a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Don't call my nurses; they're on the phone with your insurance company. Uh, but I'll be happy to give you what what the bottom line is. We also have a lot of new developments uh, in the medical literature that have come out over the holidays. Pretty amazing. Uh, the story uh, on uh, various uh, prophylactic treatments for urinary track infection, including the cranberry story, has gotten more interesting. And uh, we'll be happy to talk about cranberry juice and fungus and whatever you have on your mind if you give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Another big topic for the coming year uh, is telehealth. And telehealth in Mississippi uh, and Alabama and surrounding areas has gotten to be a big, big deal. The, um, uh, the State Employees 
uh, health insurance program has decided to offer telehealth uh, as a uh, benefit this year, and a number of other larger uh, companies and um, organizations are doing that. And if you want to know more about telehealth, we just published a a big article on that uh, in a national journal and are up to date. So that's another thing we can talk to you about this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email at Southern Remedy uh, at mpbonline.org. This is not Donald Trump. This is your your doctor of the day. Uh, Dr. Richard DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics, here to take your calls at Southern Remedy, all things considered, the original Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio, taking all your calls about whatever's on your mind. So let's go to Sherline and Jackson. Hey, Sherline. Hey, Sherline. Hello. What's your question? Thank you for your call. What is prediabetes? Oh, okay. Well, that's a good one. Because lots of folks in Mississippi have prediabetes, and what it means is that your fasting blood sugar, the blood sugar that you have when you haven't eaten overnight, is elevated, and that is called prediabetes. There are certain numbers that are normal and certain numbers that are not, and the reason that we get that determination is that there is a level of blood sugar elevated when you're fasting that automatically makes you a diabetic. And then there is a smaller number under there that makes you a pre-diabetic. And it depends on which standard that uh, uh, a particular lab and clinic uses. But obviously the one that makes you a diabetic is a higher number. And the lower number, uh, which is greater than 100, will uh, make you pre-diabetic. And the reason that we want to know that is we know that a certain percentage of people who have an elevated fasting blood sugar, uh, somewhere between 5 and 10% per year, go on to have frank diabetes. Uh, the number of who go on to have that is variable depending on which large study you uh, look at, but it's a significant number. Uh, if you have uh, prediabetes, which is an elevated fasting blood sugar lower than the number that would uh, be uh, a, a give you a diagnosis of diabetes. So what do you do about prediabetes? Well, it's almost always an issue of being overweight. Now, there are some people, rare people, uh, who have genetic problems with the way that they handle glucose, uh, and if uh, and we can talk about that if you want to talk about it, but the great majority, since 75% of Mississippians are overweight or, or obese, the great majority of people in Mississippi who have prediabetes have it because they are overweight. And the good news is that even small uh, weight losses, 10 pounds or so, when combined with increasing your movement, exercise, not necessarily running marathons, just walking, uh, can frequently normalize that blood sugar and, and delay your development of diabetes. We know that if we can get those elevated blood sugars down to normal with weight loss and exercise, calorie control, that that will delay the onset of diabetes and in some cases prevent it. So that's what, uh, that's what it is. Sherlon, are you still on? 
Yes, I am. Was that what you needed? Yes, thank you so much. And thank you for calling. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks. Let's go next to Memphis. We've got open lines at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Hey Kay. Hey. What's remember going on? Me? Yeah, remember I remember me? you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, I gave up on that EKG situation. I got me an excellent cardiologist in Memphis. Excellent. But I'm having a and I have been just doing fine. Good. Except just before Christmas I had an episode that really scared me. And uh, anyway, Christmas Day, I decided to get myself to the hospital. Uh oh. I went to St. Francis, which has a, I don't know if you know, they have an excellent cardio uh, department. They do. And, uh, and what they happened? They did everything. They did the stress test for heart and lung. It was excellent. He said, I can't, well, when I went to him the first time, he said, Lady, you don't know how well you're doing to be an 86 year old woman. I'll see you in six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he saw me so what, what symptom months. did you have over the holidays? I'm nothing. I'm, this, I'm an old woman that lived alone, and I didn't see anybody closer than on the street. Well, what happened <laughs> to send you to the emergency room? Well, I got concerned because I had the heaviness in my chest, and I really did not think it was associated with my heart. Uh-huh. I thought maybe it was pneumonia. However, uh-huh. I had had my bacterial pneumonia shot. So, uh huh. But anyway, it turned out to be it was my heart cutting up on me. You know, it was from my heart. So but when anyway, you got to the emergency room, they found that the heaviness on your chest was related to your heart or not? Well, I didn't have anything wrong with my lungs. Mm-hmm. So uh, apparently, apparently it was related to my heart. They kept me two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran all of the tests. and um, changed. But the thing I'm really concerned about is two things. One is he changed my changed me from amlodipine to med, metapropyl, mm-hmm. is a beta. And tell me, what is a what does a beta blocker do? Uh, I will tell you. Let, give me the rest of the question. And I'll tell you the whole okay. thing at once. Okay. And the other thing is, he he said that he would let me go home mm-hmm. if I would promise to see him in seven to ten days. I cannot get an appointment with his office until the 31st of the month. Okay, I will tell you how to handle that one, too. All right, okay, so, okay, you've got a whole bunch of good questions, and I'm sorry that you had to go to the emergency room over the holidays, but it is better to go when you have a new symptom or a worsening of an existing symptom and uh, you're not sure what's going on. It's better to go than to stay home. And so there is a drill that we have in our emergency rooms when people come in with chest complaints. And in women, it's a little bit different than the drill in men. The drill in women is that we we consider a larger range of symptoms as potentially indicating active heart disease than we do in men. Men tend to have fairly stereotyped uh, symptoms when they have coronary artery disease, either angina, which is a condition where usually when you exercise you get uh, symptoms, uh, cold weather, anger, or so forth, or a frank heart attack, which is when you get chest pain or symptoms and they persist. So, so that's what men usually will have, chest pain in the middle of their chest, that radiates down their left arm, sometimes with numbness, or radiates up into their neck. That is the classic symptom for men. Women, 
and some men may have other symptoms, which is shortness of breath, fainting attacks, uh, stomach discomfort, uh, and a feeling of fullness or a feeling of fullness in the chest or just not feeling right. And so with women like you, especially seniors, the the best, uh, the most prudent thing to do is to go to the emergency room if you're concerned, especially if this is a new symptom that you have not had before on multiple occasions and survived to tell about it. So when you went to the emergency room, they did an electrocardiogram and they got some blood to look for cardiac enzymes to see if your heart muscle had released some dead muscle enzymes into your blood, which would mean you had a heart attack. And uh, I don't know what they found, and you don't either because uh, they didn't tell you. And uh, But they were worried enough they wanted to put you in the hospital for observation. So they were worried with your symptoms, and they usually put you in a monitoring unit where they check your uh, your heart rate and your enzymes for two or three days to make sure you haven't had a heart attack or an arrhythmia, which is extra beats. And uh, then uh, if they are really concerned, they will do some kind of uh, evaluation of your of your heart that would either be a catheterization or a cardiac angiogram with a MRI machine and there are ways to do to do a non-invasive uh, form it's not as good as having a catheterization but it's uh, it's still helpful or get a calcium score which is another way there are three potential things that you can do to see what's going on and if that's negative or inconclusive they usually will send you out. Now, the reason that your uh, calcium channel blocker was changed uh, from uh, what it was to a metoprolol is uh, one of two reasons. One, your blood pressure was too low on the calcium channel blocker or your heart rate was too fast. And what the beta blocker, metoprolol, does is slow your heart down and also has lesser effects on your blood pressure. It is not as good a blood pressure medicine than the calcium channel uh, blocker. So that's probably what's going on. And here's your third problem, not being able to get an appointment when your doctor uh, said uh, he wanted to see you in two weeks. You need to call his office back and ask to speak to his nurse. Get past the people answering the phone. Say, I need to talk to his nurse. And then tell his nurse that the people in the front won't give you an appointment, uh, and the doctor said he wanted to see you within two weeks, and that should sort that out. If not, if if you don't get response, then call back and say, I need to talk to my doctor and ask the doctor to call you. And if the doctor doesn't return your call, you need to get another doctor. There's a problem. Well, okay. problem. Okay. Oh. okay. Can I say one more thing? All he right. is a top-notch guy. He is board-certified in four different areas, three of which are cardio. So. Mm-hmm. No, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but if you can't get to him, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, yeah I know, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, ha- I'm happy with him, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lose. Well, no, if you can't get to him, it doesn't make any difference. If he's the president of Harvard College, you need to find somebody else because it doesn't make any difference how educated and how smart you are if you can't provide a service. 
So uh, that's that's just my thought. You know, I'm, I'm, it's just a thought, and I hope it's helpful. And I love you, and I appreciate your call. We're, you're listening to Southern Remedy at MPB uh, Radio. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and we're taking all calls today in follow-up of Trump's um, uh, news conference, which delayed us a little bit. So we're going to try to get through these as fast as we can to get as many people up to date as uh, we can. Let's go to Gene in Loosedale. Hey, Gene. Gene, are you there? Yes, sir. Good morning. What's going on in Loosedale? Loosedale, yeah. It don't feel like January the 11th, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Not, no, it doesn't. You know, every time I drive down going to Mobile and down, uh, I guess it's 49, yeah. Uh, it said there's a sign there that says go here to Loosedale and a bunch of things. Is there anything in Loose? Do I need to really take that left and go see what's in Loosedale? Well, to be honest, I'm coming from Natchez and I just happen to be passing through. Loosedale oh, so you're I not from Loosedale? <laughs> well, did you see anything there? <laughs> no, nothing but open highway. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm sure we're going to get some calls from the mayor shortly. So, uh, what's your question? Well, uh, my mother, uh, a few months ago, I say late fall, um, she had her gallbladder removed, and since then, she's had zero appetite and a concerning weight loss. Uh-huh. Now, she is supposed to go back to her doctor uh, in the next couple of weeks, I believe, but I was just, I wanted to ask you what you thought about that. Is that something to really be overly concerned about? Okay, so why did she have her gallbladder out? Evidently, uh, I didn't get the full details, but I believe she was having some pain there, and she went over to the hospital, and they said that's what needed to be done. Was she losing weight uh, before uh, she had her gallbladder out? No, sir. Okay, good. All right, so the most common cause of people who were losing weight and had their gallbladder out was the problem wasn't their gallbladder. It was Uh, something else wrong with them. That's why I asked that question. The fact that uh, she is not eating and losing weight after gallbladder surgery probably means that she is having symptoms uh, when she eats. That's a usual thing. After you've had your gallbladder out, fatty meals, anything with a lot of fat, and sometimes other foods like milk products give you belly cramps and make you miserable. So uh, it's called post-gallbladder syndrome. We see it a lot in our clinic. We don't do the surgery there, but we take care of the people that have just had it. So we see this in people who've had recent gallbladder surgery. There also is a potential that um, that something is wrong at the surgical site. So uh, it is very, very important that the surgeon who uh, saw her knows now, not later, that she is having this trouble. He may want to get her in a lot quicker than he would otherwise because sometimes it's possible to clip, clip one of the other ducts uh, that have to do with the gallbladder, and that causes the same syndrome. So he's going to want to check some blood work, and he w- he's going to want to take some more history. Anytime you've had surgery and you start having symptoms after surgery, that's a red flag. So uh-huh. you, you need to get, uh, if she's not willing to call her doctor, you need to call her doctor for her uh, and uh, make sure the nurse, the doctor's nurse at least, if not the doctor, knows that she's having these symptoms where he can get her in real quick. She, they'll probably want to do a CT on her abdomen and see what's going on and 
work this up. So this is not a minor issue. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll talk to her, and uh, if she, like you said, if she don't want to work with it, I'll make it happen. Okay. Well, thank you for your call. And if you need to know more about gallbladders, you can send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org, and we'll send you a patient information sheet. We have some lines open now. We pretty much cleaned all but one call. We're fixing to go to Flowood. And uh, we'll take your call at one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you uh, have a question you want to ask, let's go to Camino in Flowood. Hey, Camino. Hey, how are you? We're doing good, and we appreciate your call. What's on your mind? Um, I'm having trouble with my insurance getting prescriptions filled since the first of the year. Ah, uh, yeah. The pharmacist says it has to be pre-authorized. What does exactly does that mean oh well thank you it's almost as i as i had written your question for you thank you so much for calling in we appreciate it and that's what i was talking about in the intro to our program and a lot of folks with health insurance of any kind uh don't understand how the pharmacy benefit is handled if you have a pharmacy benefit in your insurance that means the insurance pays for some part or all of your medicine, then you uh, are at the mercy of the insurance company uh, to work with a pharmacy to get your drugs. And what do you think the insurance company's biggest concern about your drug is? Do you know? I feel like it's more so how many times I've had it filled. Yeah, it's money. You're right. They're interested. The insurance company is interested in limiting as much as possible the expense they have to pay for your drugs. Okay? So what they do is they have a deal with uh, certain uh, companies, most of them, especially if you're in a managed plan, will have a, a deal with a large provider, uh, especially if you have a mail-in pharmacy. They have shopped all these mail-in pharmacies, like CVS has one, Walgreens has one, a lot of different ones with different abbreviations. And every year they go in and give those pharmacies a list of medicines that are costing them a lot of money, and then they pick the pharmacy that is the cheapest on those more expensive medicines. Those are things like Celebrex, uh, any of the rheumatological drugs like uh, Infliximab or Enbrel or Humira, any any of those drugs, uh, any of the expensive cardiac drugs like the new ones for heart failure, they will go with a company that will then uh, give you those drugs at the cheapest cost to the insurance company, which is paying for them. They will also work with the insurance company on putting a bunch of loops in there where it is more difficult to get those medicines filled. And that is the, the issue of pre-authorization. And so what happens is right now, when I write a prescription for one of these drugs uh, to to your pharmacist or your uh, mail-in pharmacy, that goes through a review process, and a clerk somewhere looks at that and says, well, 
uh, on this sheet of paper, you have to have had this drug before you can have that drug. So we're going to turn this down. So all of a sudden, two weeks or three weeks after I write the prescription, I get a letter from the uh, drug, uh, the pharmacy, and you get one that says your request for this Celebrex has been rejected. And then I have to go through calling them up to justify why I wanted it, sometimes providing medical records. And when I call them up, I get put on hold for hours. Uh, when I try to email them something, they lose the email, and it's a nightmare getting your, your medicine. So that's what's going on right now. Our nurses uh, are back in the clinic pulling their hair out because with the first of the year, they've changed pharmacies. Uh, they've gone with a cheaper pharmacy in many cases, many insurers. And now the new pharmacies are going back and reviewing uh, these expensive drugs and trying to figure out a way to, to not provide them, to make sure that uh, they cut the prices as much as possible to meet the terms of the contract they have with your insurance company. And so I've got people who have been on uh, drugs like uh, Areva for rheumatoid arthritis for years that are suddenly I'm getting denials for refills on them because they have a new insurance company that uh, wants to know whether I have done this, that, or the other, which I already said, told the other insurance company about. They want a whole new start over, and next year it'll be another deal. So that's why you're having trouble, and what you need to do is is support whoever in the doctor's office is handling your uh, pharmacy claim in getting that approval done, and it's, uh, it's a challenge, and I don't have a secret way to do that. We're about uh, ready to take a quick break. Is that right? And we're going to come right back to go to Robert and Flora. And we're also going to have uh, time to take your call at one 672 I'm sure I've made enough insurance companies mad that we'll hear rebuttal. Uh, or maybe not. But we'll hear your rebuttal right after this call. Camino, thanks for your call. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. On the next Fit to Eat, I'm going to show you how to make butter bean soup with ham and some other butter bean recipes. Registered dietitian Rebecca Turner will show us how to make a healthier corn dog. We travel to the Wise Family Farm in Pontotoc, Mississippi to see their butter bean harvest, and we have a very special guest, State Senator from District 49, Sean Tyndale, to be here and help me put it all together. So join us. Saturday afternoon at 1.30 on MPB TV. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. 
You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to southernremedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at University of Mississippi Medical Center, taking all of your questions on whatever you want to talk about in the remaining less than 15 minutes of our program. So if you have uh, something you want to talk about, please, please call in now, 1-877-672-7464, 1-877-MPB-RING, or send us an email at southernremedy at mpbonline.org. So that program, Fit to Eat, is one of my favorites and the chef there is incredible. And Rebecca Turner, the, the dietitian nutritionist person, comes up with the most amazing recipe. She takes these recipes that have a whole, that we all like to, uh, stuff we all like to eat, and figures out a way to cut the calories down in them that is very, very helpful. And she also has these tricks uh, that she has by using yogurt and stuff like that to make stuff taste like. Uh, it isn't what it is. So you want to see that program. And by the way, if you're going to uh, do all those butter bean recipes they're talking about, you may want to get some Gas-X at your local drugstore. It really does work with butter beans. I will testify to that myself because I am a butter bean lover. So uh, take a listen to that that, uh, program. And let's go to Robert. Hey, Robert. Robert, you there? Hello. What's going on in Flora? Hi. Well, it's kind of quiet up here today. That's a good thing. I, I have uh, I have a comment I wanted to make about a previous caller's uh, conversation with you, and also a uh, quick question. Okay. About a, a problem I'm experiencing. Um, I'm 72 years old, and have always been very, very active. And I work on my feet. That was my profession for many years which caused me to have to build up a uh, back problem yeah. over the years. Uh, I was a videographer, so I was carrying a lot of weight on my shoulders and working mostly on poured concrete. And back in February, well, I'd always had like a nagging lower back pain. Yeah. And usually, you know, after being off my feet for a couple of days, I was, uh, you know, with Tylenol or ibuprofen able to, get back and and be myself, but it got to the point back in uh, January and February where I was having so much pain, I I was having a hard time uh, mobilizing, Right. and uh, I went to a, uh, uh, historically, uh, who had been my adult orthopedic advisor Mm -hmm. at a certain uh, hospital, which I I won't mention, Okay. and they took, you know, x-rays and everything, and and uh, when the nurse practitioner came back, he, he told me, he said, Mr. Brightup, he said, your back is just really in bad, bad shape and referred me to a surgeon. Okay, I was a smoker for years, mm-hmm. and they advised me that I needed to quit smoking because of an unmentioned problem before. They talk about heart problems or emphysema, lung problems, but nobody, nobody ever advised me to soften up the bones yeah. and wouldn't hold screws right. uh, properly. So anyway, they kept putting off and putting off and said I had to go six months uh, totally smoke-free. 
And so I went on the patch and was quitting and all of that. But the pain got unbearable, unbearable. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had been advised to uh, go to the, to one of the pain clinics for steroid treatment uh, there. Right. And it got down where I'd taken the third shot, which is the limit. Right. And the, when that shot wore off, it was after a couple of weeks. Anyway, the, the pain came back, and I am not favorable to opioids. Yep. But it seemed like that was the only thing that was working. Right. And I was trying to move the back surgery up, saying, is there nothing we can work out here? Well, the portal that I had to go through with the uh, nurse and everything and uh, also leaving phone calls, I never got a response back Hmm. from the surgeon. Hmm. And this went on for a month. Oh, my goodness. And finally, I was talking to somebody. They said, well, you need to go see my mother's doctor, Mm -hmm. uh, which was with another... uh, Another orthopedist or neurosurgeon or somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I took the MRIs and the x-rays over to him, and they took a look at it, and he could see that there was an extremely bad problem. He says, you know, even though you should be totally smoke-free, he says... We can see, obviously, the pain you're going through because I, I was barely able to walk. Right. And he had me in there within three weeks. Yep. And that was November 3rd. I haven't felt this good in two years. Wonderful. Well, you just, underlined, you just underlined what I always say is that there are enough doctors around. You can usually find one that actually, you know, will respond to you. And if you don't, the guy's probably too busy to take care of you anyway. You need to find somebody else. And that's what you did. And I tried to stay with the original uh, 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 department because I'd had total knee surgery four years ago, and they did a wonderful job there. Uh, well, they probably the would have done a, just a different surgery. They'd have probably done a wonderful job uh, if you had, had waited until you uh, were dead, too. But, you know, you were in pain and you needed help. So you did the right thing and don't apologize for it. I I don't understand why people are always apologizing about dealing with bad behavior that we give them as doctors. So there you go. So I'm running out of time. What's your question? I even have one after surgery. Sir? I I said, and, and after the surgery, I had no more opioids. And... All I've been taking is ibuprofen and gabapentin. Rejoice. It's been doing the job. Rejoice. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Well, at the end of this month, I go for my uh, checkup to tell me how much I can really safely move without damaging myself. (laughs) Okay. Well, we we appreciate your call. And by the way, you need to stay off those cigarettes because you still got a, a smoker's cough there going on that I could pick up. And uh, we love videographers up here at uh, MPB. So God bless you, and thank you for some good news. Let's go to who's next, Jay? Our producer is Jay White. Uh, let's go to, uh, oh, man, Michael and Bolton. Okay. Hey, Michael. What's going on? Dr. Rick, yes, I, I heard one day on the radio that uh, you worked at the VA. Yep. Well, I'm a 21-year retired Medically retired, I should say, uh, Army veteran. Did you hear that I'm a veteran? Did you hear that I'm a veteran and an Army veteran, too? I did. I was an Army officer. Okay. Uh, I was injured back in 2002. Mm-hmm. I have, to this date, had 17 surgeries on my right knee. Oh, God. Four on my back. And I, I, I'm being seen at the VA. Mm-hmm. Well, 
my my primary care physician left the VA, mm-hmm. and uh, and they moved me to an outside pain management, and uh, I'm I'm in the process of trying to figure out who my new primary care f- physician is going to be through the Veterans Choice Program. Right. Well, my problem is I go to pain management, and they look. I've been on uh, the uh, hydrocodone since 2002. Right. And he's like, we got to get you off this. Right. So he writes a prescription for some Hysingla ER. Well, I go to the VA to get my prescriptions filled, which is the process through right. TriWest and all. And uh, they say, we don't carry this. So they put it in front of the, I asked, could I buy it on my own and get reimbursed? They said, uh, we'll have to present that to the head of pharmacy. And she's done a great job, I think, you know, I, 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 she's helped me on things before, and, and I, there's no bad uh, vibes remarks on her. But yeah. anyway, it goes in front of a board, and they denied it mm-hmm. and uh, said it wasn't on the formulary. Mm-hmm. So they said we need to either go to morphine, we need to go to oxycodone, and or, or they gave us a choice of three to go to. And, mm-hmm. and the pain management guy says, no, we'll just stay where you are. And hopefully things will change. Maybe they'll update their formula. Okay, so what's the point? Well, my problem is now I, uh, I'm caught in between the uh, trying to find a new primary care physician. Well, back in November, the pain management guy did the bilateral facets. Felt great. I went out fi- first time in three years deer hunting. Yep. Well, my deer stand hadn't been used in three years, and just as I get to the top, the strap breaks. Oh, my gosh. And now I fall. Oh, my and, goodness. And it's kind of the whiplash effect, the oh. knee that I had all the time oh. on, then the butt, then the back, yeah. then the neck. So I, I, I had, uh, I go to my primary care physician. The next day, I already had the appointment. They wouldn't touch until I had x-rays. Hmm. Seven and a half hours in the emergency room at the VA. They come back and say there's no broke bones, you know. Mm-hmm. You need to see your primary care physician. Mm-hmm. And and I'm still waiting to see a primary care physician. Okay, so let me let me help you a little bit with some of this stuff, okay? Yes, sir. You're very street smart. You've been using the VA for a long time. I get some of my health care at the VA myself just to see how the system works. And uh, the VA, and I guess you're going to the VA here in Jackson, uh, all of the VAs are under the same situation in our vision, which is the region that this uh, program reaches. They're all under a lot of pressure from uh, Congress and the, the VA central office to improve services. And they're doing their very best to do it. But if they don't have enough doctors working for them, then they get backed up. And nobody wants to work at the VA that's a doctor just about because they're getting pressured so much by uh, Congress and the VA to gin people through and see large numbers of people. So they're having trouble retaining doctors, nurse practitioners, and other providers. So I am totally sympathetic with what you're saying. I'm a little bit sympathetic with them, too, uh, as well. So that's where the problem is coming up. Now, they are required by the VA to get you service within a, a particular uh, uh, amount of time, or you can call a, a toll-free number uh, and get some help. And I think that's probably what you need to do at this point because you're getting the runaround. 
So just call your uh, call the VA and ask for the uh, patient assistance number, toll-free number, and I think that would be the best thing uh, to do at this point. If you need more help, send me an email. I'll send you more ideas. And thank you for your call. We're out of time, and I've got a great call about telehealth. Don't have time for it. Kay, I hope you'll call back. I really want to talk about that. You've been listening to Southern Remedy. We hope you've enjoyed today's uh, uh, program, and if not uh, informative, perhaps entertaining. We'll be back the same time, the same place next week, and a replay on Sunday. Thanks for listening to Southern Remedy. Next, it's here and now, and they might have some things to say about the press uh, conference, so you may want to listen. See you later. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. A warm front situated to our north will continue to draw in Gulf moisture, so we do have the chance of some showers as we head through the remainder of the day. It looks like we'll continue to see 